Good morning, everybody. It's very good to see your eyes. I see those eyes. I see some mouths as you drink. I see those eyes. Really interesting. If you, if you, look, let's just, let's just have a mask, open mask disclosure. I don't think any of us get excited and enjoy wearing masks. Don't know. If you're in that category, fantastic. That's a, that's a very limited edition, I believe. Uh, but I don't know if you've noticed, when you're walking around, you know, the, the eyes are the window of the soul, right? And so even just walking pa- past people in the supermarket and being served by people and all that, like, just the eyes, there's nothing else to distract you about their face. You, know, you see a lot of things about people. You see... Those who are peaceful, those who are anxious, fearful, you see all these kind of things, you know, Um, and encourage you to make it, make it, make it something, somewhat pray for people as you walk past them. You know, if you look at someone's eyes or some people won't even meet your gaze, like, you know, it's too, it's too intense. They can't cope with it. But if we, as we're going around, we're, we're, Spreading the fragrance of Jesus everywhere we go, that's our goal. We're spreading Christ. We're carrying the spirit of the living God within us if we belong to him and we want the spirit to flow through us to people. We want, we want them to, as they walk past us, not making eye contact or making eye contact, want them to feel the spirit in their spirit, the spirit of the God in their spirit. So it's like, Holy Spirit, overflow out of me to the people around me. Be a carrier of your presence. I am a carrier of your presence, but magnify you in me and through me. Let's all do that together as we go about our lives. So, and that's that thing of, we can grumble and complain about government mandates, or we can just go, Jesus, they're accountable to you, ultimately. And there's, you know, several scriptures that we could look at where we're told to submit to those in authority over us. And we're told to do our work as unto the Lord, not as, not to our employer even. I mean, it's like honor your employer because ultimately you're doing it to represent the Lord to your employer. So let's always carry that. Like, I want to represent the fragrance of Jesus. If you have a Bible with you today, and I hope you've got either a printed copy or some other copy with you other than a voice-activated one, Please open it to Matthew chapter 11 and we want to read a few verses. This morning's message is going to be, uh, it's going to be like a sandwich. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Uh, a sandwich, you have two pieces of bread and, and typically when you make a sandwich, the two pieces of bread you use are the same style of bread, right? And then you put stuff in the middle that's not the bread. It's very different to the bread. And then you put the other piece of bread on top. Okay? And that's a sandwich. So I want you to think of today's message as a bit of a sandwich. Right? The bit you're getting right at the beginning and the bit you're going to get at the end, they're going to be the same. And in the middle, you're going to get something completely different. Sound exciting? Ooh. 
Can't wait. Can't wait to see what the filling is. Well, here's the bread. So, the words of Jesus. So, Jesus is speaking to a group of people. This is Matthew 11, 25 to 30. And um, he first of all has a prayer. And he says, it says, at that time, this is Matthew saying, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. He prayed, Father... Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Then Jesus begins to speak again to the people and he says, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Let's just stop right there and say, that's a great phrase to spend some time in to say, okay, I want to know the Father and I want to know the Son. If that's a prayer of your own heart. And so you, you say, to the, say to the Son, Jesus, reveal the Father to me. And you say to the Father, Father, reveal the Son to me. And then Jesus went on and he said to them, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And so the invitation from Jesus to to every person across the planet at all times is come to me. Come to me. And that includes us today, as even as his followers. It's still his invitation, come to me. And what is it? It's, it's take, come to me, learn from me, let me teach you. And in, letting me te- in coming to me and letting me teach you, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So... Can't, don't have a lot of time to go into all the details of this, but simply to say that when Jesus uses the word yoke, it's actually a rabbinical technical term to mean his teaching, his yoke. And we don't see this very much, but in other places of the world, they still yoke oxen together to plough fields. How many of you have seen pictures of that? Anyone seen a picture of two ox yoked together? If you haven't, you can Google it, just don't do it right now. And, what, and so they put this wooden bar across the necks of the two ox and so that they pull together. And so this is Jesus' invitation to say, come and be yoked to me. Now, one of the things that you find when you yoked to Jesus in this image, if you think of those two oxes, those water buffaloes or whatever that are plowing, they can't. One can't decide he wants to plough over this bit of the field and the other one over this bit of the field. They're together. They've got to move together. And you always have one that's in, in charge. And this is the image of Jesus. We come to Jesus. We, allowed, we, take, we allow Jesus to put his yoke on us, to join us to him. And then we, we learn from him how to live. We learn his commands, his ways. And we follow those ways. And it's in following Jesus and obeying Jesus and being yoked to Jesus, we have rest for our souls. If there's one thing this pandemic is teaching us is how little control we really have over our lives. 
we think we're very powerful individuals, but actually we are not. We live in, we're, much, we're always part of a much bigger community and there's responsibility to community in this way. But this thing about being come to Jesus, this is his invitation to all of us. You're feeling weary, you're feeling stressed out, you're feeling anxious, things are shifting, changing around about us. We don't know from one day to the next what's happening to some degree. And the Jesus' invitation to us is the same. We just come and we please just sit at my feet. Let me teach you. Listen to me. Obey me and you'll find rest for your souls. Parents, this is what this is how you disciple your children. By them seeing you and you doing this with them. And you as a family saying, let's sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from Jesus. And you open up the scriptures and you listen to the words of Jesus together. And you together as a family, you're learning the yoke of Jesus. And in that place, you're finding rest for your souls. Because that's what Jesus promises. And we love the humility and the gentleness of Jesus. We're going to come back to that. That's the opening piece of bread of this sandwich. That's, uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to finish with that. And we're going to invite opportunity for, for you to come physically to the front as that statement of coming to Jesus to sit at his feet. We're going to do that at the end and there'll be opportunity to be anointed with oil and receive prayer. The filling of the sandwich is to continue a little bit of the COVID conversation, the crucial conversation about Christ in COVID that Julie and I had in the prayer room last Sunday afternoon. And uh, that was recorded. And as in New Life News, you've seen that you can actually get the link to that. It's uploaded onto a private space in our YouTube channel. Uh, but you, if you info, email info at New Life, we will send you the link and you can watch that. One of the things that we're finding is, as I'm talking with different pastors around the place and Julie as well with, with people, we're finding things about quite troubled churches, trouble in the body of Christ because people are dividing over things that aren't about Christ. They're making... Um, many of you, it was only a couple of months ago, I can't remember the exact date, I did the um, core, the absolutes, the circles of absolutes teaching. I revisited that. And we go, these things are peripheral to the gospel. These things aren't, you know, what should separate us. And, and But people in the body of Christ are weaponizing things against one another. And it's often out of fear, and it's certainly not the kind of love that we were talking, Julie was talking to us about as we had the Feast of Jesus. Love that's patient and kind and considerate and all those other things that love is defined by. Love is, Jesus says that we are to love one another as he has loved us. So the definition of love is Jesus, not what I think, not what you think. And so when we speak about things... And this is a this is a you know like a charged atmosphere in our in our society in our nation and in the world today. The words that Peter wrote to the early church in one Peter three fifteen to sixteen, the context of this words is very different because Peter is actually saying to them, 
You ought to be prepared to give an answer to people for the hope you have in Christ. But listen to what he says, please, to this, because I think this, yes, you ought to be, we all ought to be doing that. Okay. We ought to be, be prepared, be prepared, which means think about, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. That's an interesting thing. Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Okay. But do this. He says, he says, do this with gentleness and respect. Some of the things that I've heard other brothers and sisters in Christ say to one another in this pandemic have not been with gentleness and respect. And perhaps you've been on the receiving end of a tongue lashing from someone. Hopefully not in this congregation, but if you have, I'm sorry for that. I genuinely am. And I ask you to forgive that person and don't hold it in your heart against them. But let's be people who can speak with gentleness and respect in all circumstances and situations with people who have different perspectives and understandings. And let's not make it something that we divide about and causes division and unrest. And we were able to have that kind of conversation in the prayer room with gentleness and respect with, with people with differing points of view on Sunday afternoon and we held up the supremacy of Christ in this that nothing is thwarting God's purposes his eternal purposes that he is working out and so we make Christ supreme we focused on him and we bring we want to bring our hearts in submission to him now one of the questions that we've heard that's that some people in the body of Christ in the church uh, not this church, but you may have heard this, um, what we're about to share now. You may have heard this, and so I wanted to equip you with an answer. Because Peter says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. One of the things that's floating around within the global church is that vaccines are the mark of the beast from Revelation 13. Dalton Thomas from Frontier Alliance International, who lives in Israel and ministers in that part of the world, has been for 10 years. And it's one of the ministries that New Life supports from our harvest offering. He and Joel Richardson have been tag teaming and doing some end time talks, just short 10, 15, 10 minute ones, really. And he did a brilliant one. And I thought about recreating it, like taking his material, if you like, and giving it to you. I thought, ah, have the man himself. So uh, we're just going to watch this 10-minute clip from Dalton and then I'll come back and finish the sandwich. Welcome to End Time Talks. My name is Dalton Thomas with Joel Richardson. Joel and I are tag-teaming these sessions, 5 to 15-minute sessions focusing on what the Bible says about the end of the age and current events and signs of the times. If you want more in-depth resources, download the FAI, Frontier Alliance International app. It's available for free on all major app platforms, and it's full of a ton of free resources that go much more in-depth than these bite-sized videos. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for watching, and as always, Maranatha. In this session, we're looking at the question, what is the mark of the beast? We looked in an earlier session of the question, is our vaccine mandates, is the COVID-19 
vaccine the mark of the beast. We dealt with that in a previous session. You can go check that out on our YouTube channel or on the FAI app. In this session, we're going to be looking simply at the question of what is the mark of the beast, which I think is an important question. Once that's answered, a lot of the other questions surrounding uh, the mystery and the mystique of this whole thing called the mark of the beast begins to evaporate and to fall into place because this jugular question, what, what is the mark of the beast, is a very important one. Now, the term mark of the beast comes from Revelation chapter 13. In fact, that's the only place that it's mentioned in the Bible. So we have one place to look and one place to explore, and that's Revelation chapter 13. Now, Revelation 13 has many cross-references in other passages throughout the Bible, namely Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 7, 8, 9, 10. We have other passages as well in Zechariah and Ezekiel. We have lots of passages that describe the context that the mark of the beast is implemented in. We also have in places like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Matthew 24, Luke 21, we have passages that describe the context of the implementation of the mark of the beast, but not the mark itself. Revelation 13 is the only place where that's detailed. So what is the mark of the beast in a propositional form instead of what it's not? What, what is it in a positive sense? It is an identification system that's implemented by the Antichrist beginning in the final 42 months of this present age that begins with the invasion of Jerusalem and what's called the abomination of desolation, which is implemented up until the end of that 42-month period, which is the close of this present evil age, which is the execution, the elimination of the Antichrist, the man who implemented it in the first place. Now, we'll deal with the Antichrist in other sessions. Who is the Antichrist? Where does he come from? But let's, let's for the sake of the context of the question of the mark of the beast, it, it, it's contextual to who he is. Meaning, defining the mark of the beast needs to be defined in the shadow of the identity of the man of sin, who the Bible describes as the Antichrist or the beast. Now, this final Antichrist, this final beast, resembles beasts of old, Antichrists of old, dictators of old. We can look at people like Adolf Hitler and say that was an Antichrist figure, meaning it's a tyrannical person that does certain things and causes certain things. We can say uh, Pharaoh is like that. We can say uh, there's a ton of people throughout history that we can say these are Antichrist pictures, Antiochus Epiphanes, who led a military campaign against Jerusalem. We could say he's a picture, a type or a shadow. But the final Antichrist, he's the one who implements this thing. Now, the danger with speculating about what the mark of the beast is, is that until the Antichrist rises and implements it, there's no point in talking about whether this is that or whether this is that. Because and at the end of the day, the bottom line is the mark of the beast is implemented by the Antichrist, which requires the Antichrist to be on the world stage. And what the Bible says about the, the rising of the Antichrist is that you will know it's him when he stands in the temple in Jerusalem and lays it desolate. That's the sign. That's the moment when the mark of the beast is implemented. Until that happens, nothing can be the mark of the beast. Now, there, may, there have been throughout history marks of the beast, meaning there's been identification systems that have prohibited people from buying or selling, because this is the big thing. 
In Revelation 13, it says that those who don't take the mark of the beast can't buy or sell. So like, for example, right now with the, the vaccine mandates, people are saying, see, this is that. Because if you don't have the green pass or green passport, you don't have the vaccine, you're not going to be able to buy and sell. So this is the mark of the beast. The issue here, guys, is that the buying and selling component of this thing is directly connected to the Antichrist's military campaign in Jerusalem. It's directly connected to a 10-nation coalition of nations who join together with the Antichrist are occupying the land of Israel and occupying the city of Jerusalem militarily when the mark is implemented. Now, I can't stress or overemphasize the critical nature of this point because the whole end time scenario, biblically, whether you're looking, you go all the way back to Moses and you look at the major and minor prophets, you look at Isaiah, you look at Joel, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Malachi, if you look at Jesus in the Gospels, if you look at John and the epistles of John, if we look at Peter's epistles or Paul's epistles in First or Second Thessalonians, all of these prophetic material, all of them, every single one of them puts the battle for Jerusalem and the military invasion of Israel at the end as the singular preliminary sign of the times that lets you know everything else is that. Meaning there's going to be many antichrists that rise. But until he lays siege to Jerusalem and stands in the, the holy place, in the temple, this is what Daniel described. This is what Isaiah described. This is what Ezekiel and Zechariah described is the final beast will invade Israel and specifically will target Jerusalem. And that targeting of Jerusalem is the basis for the implementation of the mark of the beast. It's not going to be, oh, I can't go to Walmart now because Walmart implemented a vac green passport. That's not the mark of the beast. That's okay. That a vaccine mandate might prohibit you from buying an omelet at your favorite local cafe that decided to implement the vaccine mandate, but that's not the same thing as not being able to buy or sell in conjunction with a military campaign in the land of Israel that pours and spills over into the Middle East that touches other nations as well that's led by a Middle Eastern tyrannical dictator who sweeps the Middle East by storm that could only be compared to what Adolf Hitler did in Europe in the 1930s and 40s. I think he's the greatest picture of what it is going to look like in the days ahead, meaning there's going to be economic crisis in the land, just like in Germany and Europe in between World War I and World War II. This economic crisis is going to be the seedbed for a season of incredible uh, turmoil and disturbance that's actually going to lead to a season of incredible peace. In the Middle East, the Bible says is before the rise of the Antichrist and the implementation of the mark of the beast, there's going to be a significant season of military peace and calm. So we're going to see another round of significant war for sure in the next few years in the Middle East. But I believe that these series of wars are going to lead to a season of peace, of calm, of security in the Middle East, where it says, for example, in Ezekiel, it says that Israel will be dwelling safely and securely and without fear and without walls in that day, meaning they're going to be dwelling securely when he leads the armies from the north and invades. And it's when he leads this invasion of a peace, uh, a peaceful, stable, secure Israel, that's the context that he implements the mark of the beast, which means the mark of the beast is much more like Islamic 
Sharia law, Islamic jurisprudence being applied, then it looks like uh, a vaccine mandate being applied in Paris, France, for example, so that you can't go to the grocery store without a green passport. Meaning the mark of the beast is associated with worshiping the beast who has his military headquarters at that time where? In Jerusalem, in the land of Israel. This is the context the context determines what it is and what it isn't. And so unless that man is implementing it, it's not the mark of the beast. So in order for us to say that's the mark of the beast, we're going to have to be looking at a global military conflict that at the center, at the eye of the hurricane, is going to be a, a brutal, catastrophic siege in Jerusalem that's going to lead to this man standing in the Temple Mount. Right now there's not a temple. There's a Temple Mount, but there's not a temple. Now, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jesus, Paul, John, all described a rebuilt temple in the generation of the coming of the Messiah at the end of the age before the day of the Lord. That's the other thing. Until there's a temple, there can't be a mark of the beast. Until the rise of the Antichrist, there cannot be the mark of the beast. So what is the mark of the beast? Simply put, it's an identification system that's directly linked to the conscious worship of a Middle Eastern dictator and military leader that's who implements this thing during the siege of Jerusalem and a 42-month-long military campaign that's going to spill over and touch all the Middle East and it's going to touch the nations of the earth as well. There's more to it than that, but in a nutshell, that's what Revelation chapter 13 describes in details. It's going to be a mark on the hand or the forehead, which is very similar to Islamic law. When you subjugate those who are not of the house of Islam, you mark them. It's a very normal thing. We saw it in Mosul and Raqqa. There's the marking of those who are not Muslim. It's going to be much more Islamic than it is going to be secular uh, Western government implementation of some sort of identification system. It's going to be a very Middle Eastern thing, which is a very important point. Thank you for watching this session of End Time Talks. Frontier Alliance International as an organization and a spiritual family, we're focused on laying foundations and making disciples where there are none in the Middle East, specifically in the Muslim world. I want to ask you to consider supporting FAI at just $5 a month. $5 a month is going to go into a pool of a global family of people that are giving $5 a month that goes into the hands of labor serving on the front lines in the most difficult, challenging places in the world today, laying foundations where there are none and making disciples where there are none. Again, thank you guys for watching and thank you for supporting FAI. I hope you found that helpful. Anyone find that helpful? Okay, so... Revelation 13 is what you want to be familiar with. When you're having any conversation about the mark of the beast with people, you want to open the Bible. Got to have a reference point, right? So let's open the Bible, read Revelation 13. You will see very clearly that is, is to do with worship and allegiance to someone who has stood in the temple of Jerusalem and demanded and said i am god essentially and unless you worship me you can't buy and sell all right so vaccines mark the beast no there's no temple in jerusalem there's no army surrounding jerusalem 
taken captive. There's no one standing on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem saying, you should worship me alone. All right? So what I wanted to do, as I said, was to equip us as a people so that we can have these conversations because there are places where these conversations are being had and it's being stirred up. And again, just as... as um, you know, there's, there's an amazing amount of resource available on the internet, but you've got to know scripture, people. And just because someone actually is using Bible verses, uh, you, it doesn't mean that they're actually bringing the word of the Lord to you. Got to know scriptures, which is that invitation that Jesus says to us, come and sit at my feet. Let me teach you. Learn from me. We must be people who are in the scriptures on a daily basis, reading, learning, and sitting at the feast of Je- feet of Jesus, and feasting on Him. It's like, and you think of that. He's my our food and our drink. That's really what what eating and drinking isn't that like Jesus? You're my food. You're my drink. That's what we're saying. We want to we want to wrap up um, with o- opportunity for people to to receive prayer. I'm just going to ask you all to stand. Uh, I'm going to ask the the executive leadership team, if you'd be ready to come and pray for people. Uh, Julie's going to come and lead some prayer from the stage. I'll be moving around and wearing my mask and praying praying for people and anointing with you all. So this morning, if you would like to, as that statement of saying, Jesus, I need to find my rest in you, and so step one in that is simply coming forward this morning, say, Jesus, I come to, I'm coming to you. I'm accepting your invitation to come to you so that when I go from this place today, I'll keep sitting at your feet. I'll keep taking your yoke upon you and, and learning for you. If you would like to, for prayer, for weariness or any, or that reality, you're feeling weary, you're feeling worn out, just come, come stand right up close against that bottom step there just come and stand there just come and stand we're going to Gracia is going to lead us quietly yep just come come stump right up close to the step so that I can walk you along the step and and anoint with oil and people can get behind you and pray for you I invite all the members of the executive leadership team to just be keen to come and pray and Julie's going to lead us in prayer as well publicly just begin to pray for people Thank you that you're here, Jesus. Thank you here to minister. Remind you, Lord, of these words. Your invitation to come when you're carrying many burdens and you're feeling weary. When we're feeling weary, Lord, and that you will give us rest. So we come to take your yoke upon us. to lift off the one we've been carrying just to take it off right now and to choose dependent trust to choose rest Jesus we ask for your gentleness place our fears Jesus I'm asking that every anxious thought would be stilled just release right now Lord
you peace. Fear and anxiety has no place, Lord, as we lean into you. You are faithful. As we take off that heavy load, we take off that yoke. off that heavy burden. Lord, we choose to lay it right now at your feet and I ask you, Lord, to come. I ask you, Lord, to come. To come and touch hearts. Come and minister your peace. Our hearts are open. of you being prayed for. Just receive that anointing oil. Just receive it as a flowing stream, a river. Just coursing through your body, your soul, and your spirit. Just running. It's weighty. who need to see you right now. I need to come through that door right now towards you, Lord. Good shepherd, would you lead us, lead us to still waters, the quiet streams. Would you lead us to green pastures? Lord. 
only you have the way. The way through. Only you have the life. You are the healer. You're the restorer of our souls, Lord. We must have you, Lord Jesus, and we must know how to walk in perfect peace. So we're asking for more, Jesus. that we didn't even know existed deep inside of us, Lord. We surrender to you. Surrender to you, Lord.